تَكْرَهُوا شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ وَعَسَى أَن تُحِبُّوا شَيْئًا وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, 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 rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina. Man yahdillahu falamudilla lahu wa man yudlil falahadiya lahu. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammad abdu wa rasuluhu. Amma ba'd. Fa inna abdalla al-hadithi kitabu Allah wa khayru al-hadi hadiya muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa shagwa al-umuri muhdathatuha. وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة دلالة وكل دلالة في النار أذن الله وإياكم من النار أمين بعد أستاذ الإسلام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Today's 21st day of Ramadan We pray the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Accept our worship as acts of righteousness Forgive our shortcomings And make us amongst those who utilize this last 10 days Effectively, Amin Now, so let me quickly clarify some things Before we go into this segment proper the first is the dua to see why searching for Laylatul Qadr. So in Sahih Tirmidhi Hadith 3513, we find Allahumma But in Ibn Majjah Hadith 3850, we find Also, we find that today in some prints of Tirmidhi, the word Karimun is not there. The word Karimun has been omitted. So scholars have said that addition of that word Karimun appears to be the case of something that was inserted by scribes or modern typists. So it is best to stick with the unified agreements of scholars, which is Allahumma inaka afuun to hebel afuafafani. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts our dua. Amin. Also, the shahada uh, that we explained yesterday was classified or it was divided into three branches by scholars the first is utterance by the heart uh, by the tongue sorry the first is utterance by the tongue the second is believed by the heart the third is actions by the limbs so utterance by the tongue by saying it believed by the heart you you not only say it you have to believe it in your heart that what you are saying is true and then you have to follow it up by actions of your limbs you don't say something and then you oppose it you don't say allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one worthy of worship and then you ascribe partners to him you don't say he's the only one worthy of worship and then you disobey him so it is the best form of faith is when you utter it by your tongue you believe it by your heart and then you follow up that belief by actions of the limb may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us amen so on to today's segment uh, where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in the hadith narrated by Mawiyah bin al-Hakam al-Salmi may Allah please him who said I had a slave girl who used to head sheep for me so one day I discovered that a wolf had killed one of her sheep and I'm a man from children of Adam. I get upset like they get upset and I slapped her in the face. Then I went to the Prophet who impressed upon me the seriousness of my acts. I said what? Oh messenger of Allah, should I not set her free? He said, bring her to me. He asked, where is Allah? She said, he's above the heavens. He said, who am I? She said, you are the messenger of Allah. And he said, free her for she's a believer. So the benefits of this hadith is actually much. It, it is much more than just telling us where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. But of course, we're going to be 
dealing with where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is first. So from this hadith, we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is where is above the heavens. Since the Prophet sallallahu affirmed the reply of the slave girl. And it also goes with the statements of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Mulk verse 16, where Allah says, Do you feel secure that he who is above the heavens, who is over the heavens, will not cause the earth to sink with you? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the heavens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not everywhere by himself. Of course, he is with us by his knowledge. But in himself, his way, he's above the heavens. You don't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everywhere. Saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everywhere is, is uh, taken as, okay, you mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the toilet? You mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the marketplace? Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us by his knowledge, but not everywhere. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in the heavens. Is in the heavens. Now, also, the hadith teaches us what the necessity of asking someone about tawhid as and part of the belief part of our belief is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his throne and the knowledge of that is what is mandatory so it is legitimate for us to ask someone where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because in fact it is the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as narrated in the hadith because he asked he asked he asked the slave girl where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also, in this hadith, we learned that all issues for judgment should be referred to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. Yes, acting upon the statements of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah 27 verse 65, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, But know by your Lord, they can have no faith until they make you, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a judge in all disputes between them and find in themselves no resistance against your decision. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So every issue, whether small or big, the companions of Prophet sallallahu used to refer it to what? To the Quran and to the sayings of Prophet sallallahu Also, in that hadith, we learned that what? That um, the fact that Prophet sallallahu ordered the slave girl to be brought to him, in order to test her, shows that the Prophet ﷺ did not possess any knowledge of the unseen except what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed him. So any 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 cleric, yes, any cleric that is claiming or any person that is claiming to have the knowledge of the unseen is a liar. Yes, such person is a liar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one with the knowledge of the unseen. Nobody has the knowledge of the unseen. And whoever brings whatever is knowing our religion into it, we are going to return it. We are going to refute it now. So believe in Qadr. Believe in Qadr. Allah decreed all matters before its existence. So we are supposed to believe that Allah knows exactly what, when, where, why, how everything will come. Even before the creation. Because it is in his decree. We're supposed to believe that what Allah knows exactly when, where, how, why, everything and anything will occur according to his decree. So belief in, in Qadr has several facets. We have the um, belief in Qadr regarding knowledge where Allah's knowledge of everything means to believe that what Allah knows previously what his slaves would do of good, of evil, obedience, disobedience before their creation. Allah knows who is destined for paradise and who is destined for hellfire. Allah has prepared both reward and also prepared punishments according to the deeds 
of his slaves, even before their creation. So everything is recorded, everything is accounted for with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All his slaves did, they unfold, they occur in accordance to what, what he already knew and what he already recorded. So that's, that's the belief in Qadr pertaining to knowledge. Also, the, the belief in Qadr pertaining to the preserved tablet that's, uh, that is recorded in Law al-Mahfuz, that's the preserved tablet. In Ibn al-Kathir's commentary of the Quran, he quotes Abdurrahman bin Salman. He said, there is nothing which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed, including the Quran, and whatever was before it or after it, except what that it was recorded in the preserved tablets. That's for the belief in Qadr regarding the preserved tablets. Now, the belief in Qadr regarding the womb, you find it in the Hadith of the Prophet, is in Nawawi's collection. Uh, I don't know, five or six, I don't really remember. But you find it in Nawawi's collection, where the Prophet said, Then an angel is sent to blow the soul into the fetus. And is ordered to what to record four matters: its sustenance, its lifespan, its deeds, and lastly, whether the soul, whether whether that soul will be what a dweller of paradise or hellfire. So that's the belief regarding the womb, the, the belief in Qadr regarding the womb, and then the belief in Qadr regarding how and when. How and when everything will occur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all that is good. He created what is bad. He decreed everything. When they would occur to the slave. How they would occur. And when they would occur. He prescribed everything. It has been decreed. It has been written. So whatever happened. However it happens. Is according to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what are some of the benefits of belief? What are some of the benefits of belief? The first is that we are, it makes us content, it makes us firm in faith, and it makes us hope for compensation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Taghabun verse 11, He says, No calamity befalls but with the leave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever believes in Allah, He guides his hearts. He guides his hearts. So in Ibn Kathir's commentary of the ayah, he says, It means that when a person is beset by misfortune and knows that it has occurred by the order and the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such a person remains patient, seeking thereby reward in submission to Allah's decree. Allah guides his heart and compensates him for his material loss. And Ibn Abbas also said that Allah guides his heart to conviction in faith. He knows what occurred to him was unavoidable. And he knows that what did not occur could not have occurred. Which means that what, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for us would definitely occur to us. And whatever does not occur to us, it has not been written down for us. Also, belief in Qadr. Belief in Qadr uh, makes us uh, lack grief. Yes, it makes us lack grief. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah says, in Surah Al-Hadid, verse 22 to 23, he says, verses 22 to 23, No calamity befalls on the earth or in yourselves, but is inscribed in the book of decree before we bring it into existence. Verily, that is easy for Allah. In order that you may not be sad over matters that you fail to get, nor rejoice because of that which has been given to you. And Allah likes not the prideful boasters. 
So if the Kesir said in his commentary of that verse, he said, Do not act hastily towards people because of what Allah has blessed you with. Uh, sorry, do not act, act hotly, hotly towards people because of what Allah has blessed you with. Do not act badly towards people because of what Allah's Allah has blessed you with. Because it didn't come to you through your efforts. But by the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't take the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arrogantly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our sustainer. Also, believe in Qadr makes us courageous, makes us bold. Because the person who believes in the Qadr becomes bold. The person who believes in Qadr is not in awe of anybody except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he knows that his lifespan is preordained. And whatever he missed could not have occurred to him. And whatever happened to him, whatever occurred, couldn't have been avoided. Victory comes with patience. And after every affliction, there's relaxation. Along with hardship comes ease. Also, when we believe in Qadr, we believe that everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained for us, there is good in it. Let's understand this by an example. If a believer's hand is wounded, you should praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it wasn't fractured. But if it got fractured, you should praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it wasn't cut off. Or that it didn't fracture his back, which is even more serious than fracturing your hand. So let me give an example. There was a businessman once upon a time who was waiting for a plane to close an important business deal, of course. And when the Adhan for Solar was called, he went for Solar, he went to pray. And when, by the time he got back, the plane had already departed. So he sat down. He was sad about missing the plane. But what happened? Shortly after the news, shortly after the plane departed, the news came in that was that the plane caught fire in mid-air. This man had no choice but to prostrate gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his safety. Because of course he was sad. He was sad that ah I missed my plane, this deal, this deal, I'm going to miss it, blah blah blah. But what Allah had in store for him, he didn't know. And he didn't know that what missing that plane was actually a blessing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he prostrated in gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his safety as a result of being delayed by Salah. And he remembered Allah's statement in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 216. Well, I said what? And it may be that you dislike a thing which is good for you and that you like a thing which is bad for you. Allah knows, but you do not know. Now, let's take the bad aspect of it. A Muslim must have believed that all what is good and bad exists by Allah's decree, knowledge, and will. But at the same time, every person's actions of good and evil happen by our own choice. Yes. So the observation of Allah's commands and prohibitions are mandatory. They are mandatory on believers. And it is not lawful for us to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then say, that is what Allah has decreed for me. Of course, it is what Allah decreed. As decreed for you, but Allah sent the prophets and revealed to them His books to make what to make clear the path of happiness, the path of mystery from happiness. He made clear the path of happiness from misery, and He blessed human beings with what the faculty, the ability to think. Allah subhanahu wa taala blessed us with the faculty, the ability to think and reason. He made us know the difference between guidance and difference between error. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Insan, verse 3, Verily, we showed him the way, whether he be grateful or ungrateful. So if a person abandons salah, 
or if a person drinks alcohol, or if a person commits zina, the person obviously de deserves the penalty for his transgression against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's order and prohibition. And such a person must repent and regret performing that action because he will not get off by using Qadr as an excuse. He will not get off by what? By using Qadr as an excuse. You committing zina, you are not you are not asking for forgiveness. You keep committing it. You keep saying it is your qadr. Of course, by the time you enter hellfire, you know it is your qadr as well. So please, we believe that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has written down everything that is going to happen to us, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, why it is going to happen. But at the same time, when we commit errors. We should learn to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should learn to repent. That is the essence of repentance. That is the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being merciful to us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already merciful. So why don't we repent? We should repent for our actions and we should regret doing that action. We've been given the ability to think. We can reason. We know the difference between guidance and error. So what else do we need? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us. Now, this brings us to the end of today's episode. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfirka wa atubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ya ayyatuha nafsur mutma'inna Irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan marbiyya Fadukhuli'i